Hello everybody, welcome back to another session. This is the Doctor Speaking, dissecting the intersection between work and learning. Uh, I have a very talented guest today. Uh, whew, the uh, the accolades ring off the tongue. Um, Jake, hello. Hi, Trevor. Yeah, talented. Wow, that's a <laughs> that's, that's an adjective I haven't Jake, welcome. It's lovely to have you. Um, I know a little bit more about you in terms of all the different things you've done and the places you've represented, but I'll leave you uh, to introduce yourself. So um, go for it. Uh, ring out all these accolades. <laughs> Thank you. I'll, I'll try to keep it quite short and sweet. So uh, at the fundamental level, I believe that engaging young people in careers education is the best way to lead to happy, caring and excellent lives. Once we actually care about our work, we're likely to go further um, and make more of an impact in our work. So for the last sort of four years or so, that's been my focus. How do we engage more young people in careers? Over the course of that four years, I've done stuff like TikTok influencing. I've started three businesses, I think. I'm at one and a half now, um, running one and a half. Uh, one of them is called Authentic Engagement, where it's everything from workshops in schools, um, writing programs, script writing, and the other one I actually run with Dan Sullivan, who you know from the podcast called Reverse Mentoring, where we're helping people that have just got into the workplace um, to have more sort of impact and, and agency over the future of the organisation that they work for, which is really exciting as well. Um, I'm trying to think back to all these accolades you've mentioned now. What have I got on my LinkedIn? Um, <laughs> okay. yeah, also let, let, let's go, oh, yeah, go shall on. I go through them one by one? All right, oh, let's yeah, go, go all on, the way go. back to um, ethos. <laughs> Uh, yeah. helps connect young people from all walks of life with opportunities to work that has social and economic value. Let, let's dive into that one a little bit. What, what was the motivation behind that? Yeah, so I think ethos came about because I saw somebody post on LinkedIn saying that they wanted to help a lot of young people find their path in the world of work. So in um, the UK a couple of years ago, we had this program called Kickstart, which meant that if you are unemployed, the government would pay for six months for you to get your first job. Um, so we hired about 20 young people that basically said we don't really know what we want to do. Um, and then part of my role there was sort of exploring with them what you might want to do and then having that entrepreneurial approach to how might you make that happen. So, so much of that comes from conversations just like this, where you speak with someone and say, oh, this is the kind of stuff I'm interested in. Are there any opportunities? Do you know anyone that might be able to help me there? Um, and as a result, we've got sort of a cohort of young people that have now moved on, obviously nothing to do with Kickstart and many moved away from ethos that have now you know, mo moved to live abroad, that have started their own businesses or work in different industries. And they thought um, so ethos was quite a free flowing, very flexible approach to what the future of work might look like, where you're not just siloed into this is your job title and this is what you will do for five years but rather that exploration of where do I think I might go and what seems interesting. We're going to dive into this in a little bit more detail when we talk about Gen Z particularly, but listeners, you will know that uh, particularly the podcast with Hannah from L'Oreal, um, we were talking about the side hustles, the entrepreneurial nature of Gen Z. So we're going to come back to that, Jake, in a minute. Um, Young Enterprise UK. Mm. Mm, what was that about? Yeah, so Young Enterprise, uh, for those people that don't know, they're a charity that helps young people start their first business. So they do a lot of work in schools, you know, taking year nines, year tens, sixth formers and saying, if you want to start a business, let's go for it. 
Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, one of these small Etsy businesses that's like selling candles. It can be, um, you know, NFC cards. It can be hearing aids. Um, these kind of things that young people are just creative about. So there's a couple of things I've done with them now. I mean, originally I was introduced to them because they asked me to be a judge at the Southwest, oh no, the, the regional finals where I'm from in Wiltshire and Gloucestershire. So yeah, just hearing a lot of young people's businesses and sort of critiquing them and working through them. Um, and then this academic year just gone, I've been sort of freelancing all around Gloucestershire and Wiltshire, working with lots of different schools and their teams to sort of, again, think through these businesses they're setting up and think, where might they go with them or what blind spots have they not yet recognised? Um, and that's quite a lot of fun, you know, working with young people starting their first business. Uh, I remember I didn't really get a lot of help with my first business when I started it. So it's quite nice to be that sort of like older brother now. Sounds a little bit like Dragon's Den and Shark Tank, um, but without the scary uh, you know, yeah. critique and all those kind of things. That's yeah, brilliant. we have the wadge uh, of money next to me. <laughs> <laughs> you wish? <laughs> maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm right. <laughs> you know, why do I say I wish? Yeah, just out um, Yeah. <laughs> this again is really good because again listeners you'll know that i've interviewed uh, quite a few kind of 18 19 year olds uh, in this season on the podcast where they are literally doing what jake is describing uh, and i think jake himself is even a model of that um you know having set up three businesses and now continuing one and a half um employability uk what was that about yeah so employability i've got a very um, a sweet spot in my heart for them so when i first started out speaking you know this would have been like five years ago or so that um, I was connected with them because they're always looking for pe young people, especially to deliver their programs. And that was almost where I like cut my teeth in the world of speaking was doing these programs for young people that, again, don't know what they want to do or aren't ready for work. Um, you know, flash forward a couple of years later, I'm now a trustee um, and I get to help them with their sort of digital strategy that's going to help engage young people in employability, which, let's face it, isn't the, the most sexy of words or, or things that young people want to get involved in. So, yeah, that's just been a, a place I feel like I'm giving back a lot now to young people that are in the same position I was in, you know, when I was 18, 19, with no idea and not really a lot of skills. And you talk about this, you know, getting them ready for the kind of digital side of things. Again, you've put on your TikTok for CEIAG. Unpack yes. that for us. Yeah, so CEIAG or CIAG or, or however you explain it is um, Careers Information Advice and Guidance. Um, so this sort of education sector about careers um, and helping people understand what they want to do next, giving them labour market information, um, helping them be better at interviews, this kind of stuff. And what I started doing, I mean, this would have been, again, like two years ago or so, I just thought is TikTok is a place where I know lots of young people are. But as far as I'm aware, there's no like educational content. There. It's just, you know, cat videos and you know people doing silly jokes. And so I just went on TikTok sort of sharing careers advice that I'd heard or my own experience of trying to find work that I loved. You know, within a couple of months, I'd sort of grown this platform to where lots of people were asking me questions. And then having shared that on LinkedIn, lots of careers advisors had seen that and thought, oh, is this a place where we can better engage young people with careers education? That has sort of led to influencing, actually being paid to post videos about careers education. Um, or share opportunities that I think are meaningful and relevant to young people. Sort of what it's what it's taught me is that there are so many different places that we can reach young people. Sometimes it's just about meeting them where they are and saying, how can we make content that's more relevant to them 
rather than trying to get them on our current platforms and say come to our website or you know come to these open days um, and that's the first way we sort of plant that seed of you know it might be the first video anyone's ever seen about interview advice um, they're much more likely to then engage further on than if we'd have tried to throw them in the deep end and said go to this mock interview session that you're terrified about so that's one thing I found really really interesting because the way TikTok works is it's going to bring up videos that you're not necessarily looking for. And that's where careers advice is fantastic. You know, only about 10% of people, young people, actually look for careers advice. 90% of them aren't interested. They're not looking. So, yeah, that became TikTok. And like I said, to to have done that for money now feels very, very surreal. Brilliant. Um, oh my gosh, we, we, we're really kind of layering in here in terms of understanding Gen Z. Um, and we, we're getting to that. We're getting to that. We'll put all of these details in the description of the podcast, uh, listeners, so that you can uh, look at some of these TikTok videos. Uh, and you can also have access to, to Jake's. Uh, he's the director of authentic engagement. So this is the last one. Uh, tell us a little bit more about this. Yeah, so this is the current business where I'm trying to bring everything together in some sort of meaningful vision. Um, the way we create content, and by content I mean in-person workshops, it can be digital videos, it can be scripts, speeches. The way we create content in the careers advice industry is on a focus on the information first and foremost. But what if we were to focus on engagement like the private sector does, like we see on Netflix or TV, the stuff that is in and of itself interesting, and we kept the same DNA of that information. If we did that, what would that lead to for the next generation of young people? How would it change how they view their careers or how they engage with interview technique or how they develop themselves? So authentic engagement was set up really to narrow down this focus on how are we making careers interesting? Um, over the course of, I think I've been running it like six months now that I've called it authentic engagement. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with household names like General Assembly and the cooperative group to make careers interesting to their young people the young people they serve in schools and online and that's been i think my favorite sort of projects to date now is taking everything i've learned over the last what, four years refining that down to the point which is what we're currently making is not engaging enough if you bring a speaker into a school or you make a, a video that is you interviewing someone with a job that's you know an hour and a half it's just not going to be engaging and as a result all that effort you've put into it is not going to come out the other side but what if we could take the DNA of what is already making content interesting and infuse it with careers education? I just think that would be an incredible world to live in. Come on, you've got to admit, admit th these are accolades. This is amazing stuff. For, for me, working in a higher degree apprenticeships, uh, again, I, I'm working with 18, 19, 20 year olds who um, are working for big companies, big well-known names. Um, some of them very clear uh, about what they want for their careers and their futures, but but others just happy for the opportunity, but almost lost as a result of the amazing opportunity and feeling the pressure. So this is really good stuff, Jack. I'm really looking forward to it. So let's dive in. Um, I know that on your LinkedIn profile, you say that you are a NEET, N-E-E-T, and I suspect that this probably influences quite a lot of what you are doing among younger generations. So let, let's dive into it. Um, introduce your observation, your experience of Gen Z. I think you might be on the board or cusp of Gen Z looking at you. I'm going to take a prediction you are in your age. Um, and, and, and bring in that whole, you know, the NEAT acronym, unpack that for the listeners and, and let's, let's dive in. Gen Z, let's go. 
Yeah, so I suppose the context you need to know about uh, myself is that when I left school, like most people, I had no idea what I was going to do with my career. And as a result, that le led to me becoming NEAT for about a year. So NEAT is not in education, employment or training. Basically means I fell off the bandwagon of careers. And that was quite a difficult place for me because I, I didn't know what I'd rather do. Um, my grades were fine. Like, I think technically I, I could have got something, but there was no drive within me to get that. And I see that now with a lot of young people that don't know what they would like to do, largely because they haven't had enough experience or because they've had negative experiences of what they think they would like to do. Um, and that's a, a big barrier for them um, to, to engaging with careers. So through one means or another, you know, I started getting my first jobs in, you know, as a waiter and then in customer service and sales. Um, and I knew that wasn't ever what I wanted to do, Trevor. But again, what is? So for, for, for about three or six months or so, I just started trying stuff that I was kind of interested in, like really low level of like, eh, maybe that's interesting. So over the course of that time, I designed an app. I made a board game. Uh, coached a football team I started an esports organization just all this stuff that I was like eh, maybe that's interesting like how can I do that and as a result of doing that not only do you build so many different skills you try so many paths my friends started asking me like oh was it working was it helpful um, and that became the speaking that I started doing that that's how it started really but having tried all of this different stuff it wasn't ever as clear as oh I've tried making a video game I want to be a game designer but I'd learned that oh, so I like creative autonomy. Or when I was coaching a football team, it wasn't, I want to work in football. It was, oh, I like working with young people, but not really, really young. Um, and just sort of piecing together these parts of me that I didn't really know through school. And so there's a, a couple of traits that you see in lots of Gen Z. Yeah, I am Gen Z, just um, <laughs> sort of the top end of that, which is weird because, again, I, I feel like I feel like I'm not necessarily a Gen Z. I don't feel trendy enough, if that makes sense. You know, when I see other other Gen Zs out there. Um, but um, Gen Z, some some key facts, and one that I really hone in on, especially with my work in authentic engagement, and this is something that I don't see getting talked about a lot, Trevor, is that digital content is now the leading influencing factor of young people's career aspirations, um, and that's from a report called Drawing the Future. Um, so rather than what your parents do or what your neighbours do, or what your friends do, as a young person, you're more likely to want to do something because you see it on Netflix, on TV, hear about it on the radio, maybe, or you know, watch a film about it. And that's, I think, one of the large reasons that we're actually seeing an increase in entrepreneurship is not because Gen Z has something in their blood that is different. It's because we've grown up seeing more entrepreneurs. People post online about entrepreneurship, even though schools haven't necessarily caught up in the same way. And it's the same with lots of different careers that we're seeing an increase of uptake on now. We're seeing it online and we're thinking, I could see myself doing that. And then we're pursuing it afterwards, um, not the other way around. And that's, again, why TikTok for SEAG was a really important stepping stone, I think, for this, because so many people have never seen that kind of stuff online before. So fundamentally, I think that's one that's one thing I know to be true, is that digital content influences young people's career aspirations. So from the private sector and even the public sector, how are we leaning into that? How are we meeting young people where they are? Whether it's, you know, from a, a business point of view and you want to recruit young people, how are you making your roles digitally available? Or whether you're a school trying to engage them in different courses or careers, we need to make them digitally available so young people can see them 
and then identify themselves within those um, characters that they see online. I love that. It kind of makes me, me think of three phrases. Who are you talking to? Where is that conversation taking place? And how are you representing that conversation as in the digital, the way in, in which you're talking about it? Yes, I, I've started experimenting on TikTok. I'm, I'm doing some crisis management videos. Mm. Um, as I've been looking into to Gen Z, I'm, I'm doing some a five year research project. I, I do, you're right. I, you know, they've grown up with these influences. Um, this is the spaces that they're engaging in. But the broader space in which they find themselves is really chaotic. Mm. Um, my, my, my daughter's just started university. She's 19 years old. And I I, I don't know, maybe I'm getting too old in the teeth, but I, I just fear her career. Um, you know, the economies are constantly dipping and diving. Um, people's mortgage rates have gone up recently. The, the insecurity that you are in having to try and carve out a sense of career. And I, and I loved your way in which you were explaining it. I, I distinguish between a job and a career. A job is an income. It's something you do to get money to pay the rent to buy food. But a career is something you do. It's your passion. It's, it's the legacy you will leave. And it is. It takes a long, longer time to figure out what is that? What is it that I'm passionate about? What, what is it that I want to do? Um, and so hence, I, I, I'm kind of putting some stuff together on TikTok around crisis management. How to kind of, I guess, bridge the two worlds between job and career and figure yourself out, particularly, you know, when things go go horribly wrong. Yeah. With Gen Z, what do you think um, is, we've talked about the digital ideas, we've talked about, you know, communicating to them, watching them communicate the space. What else makes them unique from, from your experience having worked with them quite substantially as a labour market? Um, the, the old isn't going to work anymore. So what's the new? Yeah, I think one thing that I'm seeing with a lot of Gen Z and through no fault of their own, They've grown up with instant gratification, the, the the knowledge that if they want something, they can get it quickly. You know, as a Gen Z, if I want to buy a shelf or you know bookshelf, it will arrive next day. Like I know that that's going to happen. And um, if I want Italian food, or, or maybe I want Indian food or Chinese, that's going to arrive in 30 minutes, give or take. But a career is very very different to that. If I decide I want to be a brain surgeon, you know, it's not going to happen in five working days. Um, I have to commit a lot of time to study and a lot of time to sort of ideate and improve on that. And I think this is one of the challenges that sort of doesn't connect with Gen Z, that for the first 18 or 21 years of their life, they go through this structured process of education with the knowledge of instant gratification on you know, apps uh, and digitally available. But once they enter the workplace, that's not the same way the workplace is designed to reward us, um, not only for our careers, but also for our progression in general. Um, and, and rightly so, I think it, it it's a long time in a career. Um, it's a slog in many ways. It's a, a constant process of improving. So it raises the question, one, should it be more instant gratification, given that, you know, in the next couple of years, Gen Z will be a third of the labour market? Is that how we should change workplace? Or do we have to work with Gen Z to sort of take away that instant gratification and help them understand that even though that they might be able to get their food or you know deliveries next working day, that doesn't happen in a career. And then if we do that, then we obviously have to do that with subsequent generations. But that's one thing that I think is driving this 
entrepreneurial nature of young people is to say, I don't have the thing that I wanted to have or thought I would have at this stage. So now I'm going to go out my way and try and make that happen myself. I'm going to start up this little business that I've thought about, or I'm going to go take on another part-time job because I want to take the income to another level. And we're seeing them be much more driven in that sense, because whereas other generations have said, well, this is the job I have and I can save up for you know, 10 years or 20 years. Gen Z are very much thinking, well, wh- why do I have to wait? You know, I'd like to have something now. While some people will just complain about that online, others are actually going out there and saying, well, let's try it. Let's let's start the business that I've thought about. Let's take that risk. Uh, and I think a lot of that is driven from this instant gratification that, again, through no fault of their own, Gen Z have grown up with. That is very fascinating. Um, I, you're right. I think in the past we've had a linear uh, model of career, you know, step one, step two, step three, and, and it's a long process. I think we are being challenged in a paradigm shift in the way in which we view the economy. Um, my dad, who's a boomer, uh, same job from 18, retired, same job. Company bought and sold, moved around, but pretty much he was still in the same company right the way through his entire career. Um, for, for me as a Gen Xer, we've been told that we would have at least five different career changes with, with within our career, and I've had four of those already. But now we're suggesting a just add water kind of generation, this instant gratification. What is that going to look like? Um, I know that the new concepts that are out there, they're calling it the squiggly career. Yes. Uh, so it's not linear, it's kind of all over the place or mosaic. So you were saying piecing together. I love that phrase that you used. That's a mosaic. So you, you've got a whole lot of puzzle pieces, but I, I think about Pac-Man. I don't know if you remember the 1980s video game, yeah, yeah. you know, so when, when the little ghost comes down, it's not like, you know, well, that's it, you know, game over. I'm I'm in trouble here. No, you, you go left, right, you go through a hidden door, you find alternative routes and that's a mosaic kind of career. But you're right, by collecting all of the different pieces, skills, knowledge, all of these different kinds, of, it gives you more options in terms of those kind of alternative pathways. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and perhaps let's come in for landing perhaps this is a key change in career advice is not you know have that one linear process and really put all your eggs in one basket but consider what are the broad-based skills and knowledges that are required and how do you get those so that you create these different kind of beehive pods that you can draw on and and have the options to to alternate what do you you think yeah i think i'd I'd agree and disagree with that because I, I feel like obviously it's it's very sensible to sort of cover your bases and keep your options open, especially if you don't know what you want to do. Um, what we're seeing with this generation now is there are an, an infinite number of factors that can change your career. You mentioned about you know, the economy being up or down, that's going to influence what you choose. The fact that there are now more jobs than there have ever been, more different uh, a degree apprenticeships or degrees you can choose from that creates a certain level of anxiety if you keep your options open and there was actually a study done, a harvard study done by professor dan gilbert which gave students the option to um, pick artwork that they wanted to keep or make a decision and then change it if they wanted to in four days time and what they found that if you change your mind or even if you don't change your mind the fact that you kept your options open makes you less happy with the choice you made. So it might be the case that these reversible options actually make us less happy because we're always thinking to ourselves, have I made the right choice? Am I doing the right thing? So what I find interesting about squiggly careers is not that 
we constantly keep our options open is that, that we choose something, we go for it, and then think, well, is this where I want to be now? Or if it's not, then you go squiggle somewhere else rather than defining your whole career, you know, when you're 18 and following that line, you are making progress, you're taking steps towards it, but then reassessing. Um, and I think that's a really important caveat to add to your point about keeping your options open. I think you should have the macro mindset of I can do anything over the course, you know, 40 years of a career. But in the short term, you should still be making progress and doing stuff, whether that's trying those little hobbies that you've wanted to do, starting that business you've thought about, or maybe studying something that you've put off for a couple of years. It is important to take those steps forward so that then you can look back and say, actually, I want to go somewhere different now. And I, and I can't help but think, Jake, that this, this this creates a different kind of mindset that needs to be modelled and designed and shaped as we advise people in their careers. You, you've got to be resilient. Don't give up. You know, move, move left and try another squiggle. Um, you, you need to problem solve very quickly. You need to be flexible. You need to be agile qualities that probably weren't part of the traditional career mindset but that are now quite key elements in the way in which we we, we help young people to to figure out what they want to do with them with their lives and what kind of legacy they want to leave yeah yeah i suppose the closing thought actually on that is one thing that i do with students when i go into school and, and your listeners can have this and they can do it with their kids or um, young people that they know is encourage the young people you work with to take the quickest, cheapest, easiest step this week towards the thing that they want to do. Um, I remember working with a girl that said she wanted to be a dancer and you know, she was about 16 or so. So in her mind, she had to wait you know, two years to finish school and then go to college. And I said, well, what could you do this week? You know, the quickest, cheapest, easiest next step to become a dancer. And for her, that was going to auditions. So you don't have to wait four years to go to auditions once you've finished your degree. You can start now. Um, and for so many young people, they've got these ideas of what they might like to do, but they've not yet started them. So I'd encourage yeah, any young people listening or parents of young people or carers of young people, encourage them. What's the quickest, cheapest, easiest thing you could do this week to make that career start to come to life? Wow. Um, I'm pretty sure there's quite a few employers who are listening to this uh, and they thinking, hmm, um, what does this mean in terms of how I work with a Gen Z person? in the workplace so um i think we've we've we've, we've really tri- tickled people's fancies and got them thinking a little bit outside of the box jake it has been an absolute delight to chat with you um as i said listeners we'll put all the descriptions uh of of all the things we've talked about in the description of this podcast um and as always you can find this podcast on spotify and other supporting uh outputs um jake thank you very much for your time thank you for having me trevor brilliant see you all next time bye You've been listening to The Doctor, and he just dissected the intersection between work and learning.